Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles. I am Donnie, your host, and with me is a man who drinks beer and puts his shirt on just like everyone else, one leg at a time. <laughs> it's Dale. What's up, man? Hey, how are you, bud? I'll tell you, that would make it easier to go take a piss, wouldn't it? I yeah. would not say that. That would make it easier to go to the restroom. Yeah. Hey, you got that right. <laughs> Full neck. That's right, bud. How are you, Dave? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, it's awesome, man. We had a little bit off time, but I had a big time myself down at the wrestling convention. Yeah, yeah I he was that. out of town. I was out of town. Yeah, man. It was, it was big fun. I had a, a large time. Large time. Yeah, usually go to that thing about every year, so it's 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 always a blast. Good day. Yeah. He, was, he was in air conditioning, wasn't he? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't. <laughs> no, I was in the in the elements. He was in the Congo. <laughs> yeah, in the Congo. Out there laying around snakes and that kind of stuff. Yeah, snakes and skunks and skeeters. I just had uh, beers and wrestlers. Beers like, and wrestlers. Yeah, that kind of thing. I got you. A few more odds and ends. <laughs> <laughs> Might have a jar or two running around. Yeah, we had a big time. Good deal, man. Yes, sir. Love it. You got any shout-outs for us, man? Oh, yeah, we do. We got a couple. Uh, I'd like to give a shout-out to uh, Debbie Crum. Thanks so much for your Apple Podcast five-star review. Right, uh, Debbie Crum. Yeah, and it says you're you're local, so uh, shout-out to local, man. We love that. We love local. It's really cool. And we had a a pretty good uh, comment on YouTube, man, from uh, Lewis Griffin. He commented on our Scott Wilson Williams uh, episode. And uh, what was that he said? Talking about how he lived right across the road from where he lived. Right. And he actually went in the house, and the smell is still there. Wow. He also said that um, they moved there after the fact, and they were told all about the story later on. But he said it is kind of creepy living so there. So he bought the house across the road, and then they told him about it. Yeah, after <laughs> after all the murders that took place. After he bought the house too. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. By the way. Yeah. But uh, you know that's cool when uh, we have a uh, we've had several people actually you know comment on stuff on uh, former episodes about they were pretty close to what was going on and give us a little inside info and. Some of them we hit back, some of them answer, some of them don't, but it's, it's pretty cool to hear that kind of stuff. Yeah, especially people that are local to the case or know the case personally. That's, right, that's yeah. really interesting to hear. Right there in the, in the mix of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess you can get out your uh, your five-star hammer if you want to go to Megan. Yeah. Like <laughs> Debbie Crum did. That's right. Thank go you, to, Debbie. Yeah, go to Apple Podcast, click that five-star, click it, rate and review. It sure helps the calls out. It really does. Yes, I promise. Yes, it does. And get you a T-shirt off the website. Get you, order you some kind of crack house merchandise. Merchandise. It helps the calls. Yeah. If you don't want to do that, you can always just pop over and drop a little cash in the in the gas fund. We appreciate it. Yep. Helps keep the lights on. Yes, it does. All right, Dale. We're going to get into our episode, but before we do, uh, this is our first episode that we are including a guest to do our outro message. Yes. And our, our catchphrase, if you will. And our first victim for this episode is Sandy Carlton. None other than Sandy Carlton. And Sandy is the host of Big Sound Small Town Podcast. Yes, he is. And he's from right here where we are. Yes. Local filler, and he's a real good guy. And go check out his podcast. It's really cool. He he highlights local musicians and bands and that type of stuff, and uh, you might learn you something. We listen to him, and he listens to us. That's right. We've been down to check him out and doing some stuff, and uh, we thought it was appropriate for him to be number one. Absolutely, yeah. We love you, Sandy. Sandy's a big supporter, and we support him. We yeah, love it. That's right. And uh, you can be one, too. All you got to do is uh, just shoot it in on uh, crackhousechronicles at gmail.com. That's right. Just uh, all this 
got to be a little MP3 or something. You can just say the, say the words and send them over, and we'll pick one and do one. I think we're going to do it maybe once a month or something. Yeah, be cool. You know, unless we get a shit pile of them, then we'll do a couple more now. But but yeah, if you want to just you know do it and make it your own and change it up a little bit and yeah, make, it, make a, it fun. Yeah, original. We don't have to try to copy us. Just do however you want to do it. We we, we want to have some fun with this. But stay tuned near the end of the episode and hear Sandy's is pretty pretty cool. Yeah, we like it. All right, man. We are going to get into our episode. All right, we're going today. Yeah, we're talking about Skylar niece today, Dale. Okay. And she had two best friends, and they were a mix of three. Three girls. Three girls. Yep. And, you know, you always hear the old saying, you know, two's company, three's a crowd. The old third wheel. Yeah, third wheel. Well, these girls were really good friends, but Skylar was always like a third wheel. Well, not always. But. No, not always, but Skylar niece, she was friends with Sheila Edding mm-hmm. and Rachel Schoff. Right. But Skylar and... Sheila were best friends for, I guess, since the second grade in, when they were in school. Yep. They'd met at a local community function, I think it was. Yeah, a community center or something. Yeah, they didn't go to the same school or anything, but they, I guess they became good friends, and the parents just, you know, let them hang out. Right. Certain times, and they just stayed friends over the years. But this story takes place on July the 5th, 2012. The bulk of it does. Right. And this is when Skylar got home from work she lived in star city west virginia and she was working in wendy's and she got home that night and sheila and rachel had been texting her to go party afterwards right yeah they were going to come and pick her up yeah and they were going to go driving around and i guess smoke a little pot and do some things and yeah. just go cruising or whatever yeah joy ride i guess you said i guess that's what it was i don't know and skylar left her apartment that she lived with her mom and dad she kissed her parents goodnight, and there is surveillance video of her leaving the apartment. Yeah, hopping out the window. Yeah, she locked her door after she kissed her parents goodnight, went out the window, and got in the car. Right. And that was the last time Skylar was ever seen. Right. So we're going to backtrack a little bit and talk a little bit about who Skylar was. Right. Now, her full name is Skylar Annette Niece, and Dale, she was born to Mary and Dave Niece. On February the 10th, 1996. Wow. Yeah, it's not very old at all. She mm. was 16 at the time all this took place. Yeah. And she was a great student. She was often described as being intelligent, a uh, compassionate person, and but stubborn at times. All of them. Now, yeah. <laughs> now, Skylar was an only child. Mm-hmm. And she grew up and went to elementary school in Cheat Lake, West Virginia. All these names sound fake <laughs> yeah they, they kind of do star city sounds like something off a tv show yep and this is right near the town of morgantown west virginia like we said when skylar was in the second grade she met sheila edding at this community center it was like a like a neighborhood house i guess it was right outside of morgantown now sheila was born on september the 29th of 1995 and like skylar she was an only child right so they probably had that in common right off the bat. Right off the bat, yeah. And her parents were Tara and Greg Eddy. Now, just a little bit about Sheila Edding. Uh, Sheila's father had been in a serious car accident, and it left him partially disabled and unable to work. And they divorced in 2000. So I don't know if the divorce was part of the accident or what. I, right, I don't yeah. even know. But Sheila's mother remarried, and she married a guy named James Clendendon. And we don't know how, how long this was either. No. Okay. And the family moved to Morgantown, and Sheila and Skylar teamed up again as freshmen 
at University High School. So this is the first time they've been to school together. Yes. Right. Okay. But they've still been friends. But right. But they started. But now they can go to school together. Absolutely. And they were they were a pretty good force to be reckoned with. Oh yeah. Yeah, they were freshmen in University High in October of 2010. University High. That's another one. It's like Star City. University High. Yeah. That's like a, what's that uh that Disney movie that had Kurt Russell? Well, they, they were about 50 of them. No, they had the they were superheroes or something. Hell, I don't know. You know what I'm talking about, though, right? Yeah, I do. I don't know. Sky High? Yeah, I think Sky, that was it. Sky yeah. High. That's, that's what it reminds me of. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, now, <laughs> now there's a lot of people noted how Sheila or and her regular, her new father, stepfather, could suddenly afford things that she could only have dreamed of a few years earlier, I guess, when, you know. Well, your dad not working, you know, and I'm sure everything was on a limited income then, and now maybe the stepdad has a little bit of cash, so he's probably going to spoil her a little bit. So the stepmom made a move up? Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. I mean, yeah. Married up. I ain't hating on her. No, huh? I mean, it, you always try to improve yourself. Right. But some people have claimed that Sheila used her sexuality to become more popular in this new school environment. Well, <laughs> I ain't going to say it won't work. Well, it works for a while. But that's, that's what a lot of people claim that she did. Right, okay. Now, while they were at University High, uh, Sheila and Skylar met a red-haired girl named Rachel Schof. She's been described as your typical, somewhat gifted actress singer i think she was in a lot of school musicals and plays and different things mm. and like skylar and sheila she was an only child mm, three and, and yep and the, she was born on june 10th 1996 and like sheila her parents rusty and patricia were also divorced but rachel was very religious and she was even had attended a catholic school before going to university high but they started hanging out together and getting into trouble they were drinking, smoking weed, breaking curfew, and just teenage stuff, I guess. Right. I guess that's what they do. <laughs> now, looking back, parents and friends of both Skylar and Rachel have claimed that Sheila was a bad influence. Right. Even Skylar's cousin Kyle described Sheila as a bad seed. She's the bad seed. Mm-hmm. And some of Skylar's friends avoided hanging out with her when she was with Sheila. And they described as her being mean and controlling. So, so she's mean, controlling, drinking, smoking weed, and uh, being sexually active. Yeah. So, she's checking all the boxes. Yeah. And Skylar's hanging out with her. Right. But, you know, they've been friends since they were eight. So, it's just, uh, she's still my friend, you know, even though she's doing all this mess. Of course, I'm sure she had a bunch of other friends there that she was going to school with before she ever got to go to the oh, same yeah. school with Sheila. but. So I don't know, has, had she been the, the bad seed the whole time, or does it just seem to be coming on strong now? I think it's just coming on strong when she's coming into her, you know, yeah, her teen years, being a freshman in high school. and Showing out a little bit. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're trying to make a name for yourself, I think. Right. Yeah. Now, even though everybody was telling Skylar about what they thought about Sheila, she had no intention of breaking her relationship off with, with Sheila. Right. You know, she was still going to be friends with her. Been friends for eight, eight years or something, you know, so. Despite Sheila being often described as the root of all evil, it was Rachel entering the picture that caused the group dynamics and their loyalties to shift, you right, know. Right, yeah. You know, you got three of them. There's one, like we said, that's always going to be out, odd or, man out. Yeah, whether you're doing it on purpose or not, it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. You're going to have two that hang out more or something, and one's going to be 
feeling left out. Yep. And this was when, about this time, they got involved in social media. They all three were big on Twitter, and they were tweeting a lot. They were Twitter tweets. Yeah. And it was even described that uh, Sheila and Rachel would often dress alike and leaving Skylar out, making, right. her, making her feel bad that she wasn't dressed like them. You know, it's almost like that movie Mean Girls. Right. If you've seen that movie with Lindsay Lohan, it's pretty rough. Right. They, they just intentionally treat her like crap. Hmm. Now, going into their sophomore year, Skylar was put into an uncomfortable situation when during a sleepover, this was in late 2011, she watched Sheila and Rachel have a drunken sex together. Hmm. Yeah, they, there's even a photo of them out there, and uh, I think Skylar photobombs the photo and them on the couch making out. Right. I mean, it's not real graphic, but yeah, you can no, see what's going on. Yeah, they're, they're on the couch. Right. Fooling around. Yeah, I'd heard somewhere that they kind of raided the liquor cabinet to Hoover's house they're staying at because I don't know. But uh, so they all was getting a little tipsy. Yeah, and it had been reported that Sheila and Rachel were in a, a girl-girl relationship. Yeah. And it had also been reported that both the girls had boyfriends. And both were sexually active with their boyfriends. Yes. So, yeah, Skylar, at this point, knows a lot of information on these girls. Right, and I think Skylar's one. She's To them, she's coming off as like the little sister because she don't do none of this stuff. Mm-mm. So they're probably, that's kind of why they're shunning her a bit here. Yeah, Skylar, she's, you know, straight-A student, doing the right thing. Yeah, had big plans, had yeah. a job, yeah. all this stuff. Yeah, I think she was going to school. I think she was wanting to be a uh, criminal lawyer or something. Something or, like that. Yeah, be a lawyer. Yeah, and like we said, you know, they were constantly on Twitter. Now, there was one time, Dale, they were on Twitter, and Skylar even tweeted on September the 6th, 2011, and she said, I'd tell the whole school all the shit I have on everyone, which is a lot. And she put a lot of T's. Yeah, lot. Lot. Hashtag, if I could get away with it. Right. And there were arguments often on Twitter between Skylar and Sheila, and it seemed to get a lot worse. And the tipping point came in early 2012. And this was when Skylar and Sheila spent their entire one-week trip to Myrtle Beach. And they fought the whole time they were there. Right. And when they got home, Sheila told Rachel that Skylar must die. Hmm. So they spent a week down at Dirty Myrtle when she came home. That was yep. all she could take. No. Now, I think they, they uh, had usually been taking vacations together since they were small. I think so. So it wasn't new for them to be hanging out for vacation for a week. No. Now, Sheila's call for murder didn't come out of the blue deal. There was a lot of students and a teacher at University High. They even overheard the girls discuss the best ways to dispose of a body. Hmm. This was in October of 2011. And it was given during a biology class. So there was, they were focusing on, I think, forensic science. Right. So it was kind of weird, but it could still be quote-unquote, in context with the class, I guess. Yeah, and they even said that they kind of brushed it off because uh, during that time, near that time, there was a body that had been found behind the school. That's fucking crazy. You know, a few weeks earlier. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it seemed like the girls' topic hardly seemed, you know, kind of out of place, but according to those that were there, the girls specifically were trying to figure out a way to get rid of Skylar. I guess this is after the fact, thinking about it. Right. You know, say, oh, gosh, remember that time? But... Yeah, hmm. after the fact kind of stuff. Hindsight twenty twenty, right? Kind of thing. 
Yeah, and I think a couple people had to actually told Skylar that, and she's like, well, I don't think there's no big deal. You know? Yeah. She didn't think nothing about it. Now, Rachel was supposed to go to a Catholic church camp, but a storm had come in, and they had to postpone the camp. This was in early July of 2012. Right. And knowing that she would be gone for two weeks, Rachel told Sheila they'd have to go ahead with their plan before that. So Rachel told Sheila. Yes. Okay, I'm taking notes there. Now on <laughs> now on Thursday, July 5th, like we talked about at the beginning of this episode, Skylar got home from work at Glenmark Center's Wendy's. This was around 10 p.m. Right. And she kissed her parents, like we said, goodnight, and went to her room. And around midnight, Sheila and Rachel either called or texted her asking her for a joyride. Oh, you know they text her. Kids don't even know phones do calls. No. Mine don't. No, they don't. <laughs> phones don't. Yeah. Yeah. They're just text machines. Yeah, text machines. That's right. Now, Sheila parked her car next to the niece's apartment on Fairfield Street, and Skylar snuck out of the house. Yep. She placed a small bench beneath the room's window. This was on the outside, and went out and joined the two girls. And So she climbed out her window and put the little bench down there so she could touch it before jumping off into the parking lot. Yeah, and being able to be able to get back in. Right. Yeah, so she had locked her door and went out the window on that bench and then went down the hill to the car. Right, and, and we, there is a footage of that, right? There is footage of this, and there, there are photographs of Skylar on surveillance camera going down to the car. Right. Which is, we'll try to get a copy of that and put it online. But now, unbeknownst to Skylar, the trunk of Sheila's car contained a shovel, fresh clothes, towels, and bleach. Mm. So it's like a, it almost been described as a murder kit. Yeah, same difference. Yeah. yeah. Sheila and Rachel had originally planned to follow Route 7 west through Cassville and continued toward Blacksville. But a police car was parked near an intersection linking Route 19 to Route 7, and it scared them off. And then they took an alternate route north through Mount Morris and then headed west toward Blacksville. And this was roughly two miles west of Blacksville, and it was on a road near Brave. I think that's the name of the, name of the town, Brave. Yeah. And the girls turned north, crossed some railroad tracks, and drove into Morris Run Road. And this is a kind of a lonely one-lane road. Yeah, it's very small. Yep. And the road was familiar to these girls because they had been on it many times. I guess they go over and smoke their pot. and Go it. party. Yeah. yeah. A little party spot out there in the middle of nowhere. Yep. And Sheila parked her car on a spot about a mile into the road. Right. And they chatted for a while. So they had gotten out here, and they were going to go. They were probably hanging out and yeah, after the park, burn yeah. some weed or something. Yep. Okay. Now, I think Sheila had mentioned that she couldn't find her lighter. Right. And Skylar went back to the car to get her lighter. Well, she turned around and tried. Well, when she turned around, the girls had hidden, I guess, knives in their hoodies or their clothing somehow yeah, or another. Hoodies, yeah. And when she did. When she turned around. Yeah. The two girls, Rachel and Sheila, counted to three. One, two, three. And they started stabbing Skylar. Right. Violently. But, yeah. They had had uh, knives hidden in their hoodies the whole time. Man. This this. Tell you what, doing research on this is pretty rough, man, because, you know, when you first hear it, you like, this is a good case to do, and you listen to it again, or you read more on it, and then you go, man, this is kind of making me sick, because the whole time these girls are texting her, wanting her to go out and hang out with them and stuff, 
They planted on killing her the whole time. The whole time. Riding up the road. Riding around in, in fun. We're going here. And this is a place, you know, like a party spot for them. So she wouldn't think nothing because there wasn't going any like a weird, like, you know, rock quarry or some kind of weird place or something like that. It's just a place they always go. Yeah. So They've been many times. Yeah. Damn. But Skylar managed to get away. Well, she tried to run, yeah. Yeah, and like she did get away for a little bit, but Rachel managed to uh, tackle her and overtake her. Right. And kept on stabbing her. Right. She had been stabbed everywhere, even in, in the, you know, even in the knee. I mean, so she probably couldn't run too much anyway. And just to jump in a little bit ahead, I think uh, according to the autopsy, she'd been stabbed over 50 times. 50. 50 five times. zero. Yeah. Damn. And this is, you know, the best friend. Yeah. Jesus. Sheila's been friends with us since second grade, man. Right. And once she's down stabbing her, they just wait for her to to bleed out. And then she just looks up and says, why? Yeah. Manages to get that out while they're standing there watching her die. Man. Now, Sheila and Rachel, they had planned to bury Skylar. But the ground turned out to be too rocky and rough for their shovels. Let me tell you, they, these girls ain't had very much experience digging holes. Well, it ain't like on TV when you see them dudes digging six-foot holes with a shovel in about 20 minutes. Yeah. Because if you've ever had, a, had to bury a dog or do anything, it's, it's pretty rough. Yeah. Unless it's just much dirt and you're not going to have that. Yeah, digging a hole is rough. Yeah, no matter what it's for. But the ground, like I said, was too rocky for their shovels. And they instead, they moved... Skylar's body next to a big tree and covered it with rocks and branches and debris. Just whatever they could find in the right. area to cover up. And they went down to the creek. It's, the name of this creek was Morris Run. And they washed themselves up in the creek. And the girls disposed of their bloody clothes and knives. But left Skylar's turned off cell phone next to her body. Crazy. Yeah. And all this took a few hours and the girls were back home before daylight right and only shortly after this in a demonstration of sheila's narcissism and arrogance and social media addiction she retweeted at 909 a.m always keep your cool wow now when we were doing research for this and i kept reading about them being out in the woods and stuff i thought it was pretty deep down in some pretty thick woods but you and i watched a video a little earlier and this guy was showing where it happened and that little road runs up in the woods, and there was just a little pull off. And right off that pull off, that big tree is—it's probably what twenty foot, maybe off the road. Think that much. And then you know that's where they left her, and then the creek's just right behind that. So it's not like they were way down in the thick stuff. It was just—I don't know—it was, it was blew my mind really how close it was to the to the little road. But I'm sure there's no traffic on that road, but just because of the way it was. Yeah, just people just going through the area, I guess. A little windy road going through the woods, you know. Yeah, the, the video Dale mentioned was uh, a guy on YouTube. His name is, uh, YouTube channel is Mobile Instinct. And he did a, a good video on this, like a nine-minute video. And he, he don't cover everything on it, but he shows you where the murder took place, where... The apartment. It's a, a lot of little cool details. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got... Well the, worth watching. He's got the video footage of Skylar leaving the apartment. So it's pretty interesting to watch. Mobile Instinct. Check yeah. him out. Yeah. All right, Dale. The next day, this was the morning of July 6th. This was on a Friday. Right. Sky- Which is the same day she tweeted, I always keep going. Oh, yeah. So Friday morning. Yes. Skylar's parents had left work early that morning, assuming that Skylar was still in bed. Right. Because this summer, you know, teenagers yeah. sleeping all day. And she got home late from work, so she, I guess he thought she was still in sleep. 
Now, her father Dave came home around midday, I guess around lunchtime, so that Skylar could borrow his car for her shift at Wendy's. Right. But no one was home. The door to Skylar's room was locked from the inside. Which is weird. Yep. And Dave, her father, then noticed a small bench outside the open window and realized that Skylar had probably snuck out at some point during the night. Right. And the, the first thing he did was he immediately called Sheila to find out if she'd been in contact with Skylar. Right. And she admitted to having talked to Skylar on the phone that night, the night before, but hadn't seen her. This according to Sheila. And soon after uh, Mary, this is Skylar's mother, got home, a manager at Wendy's called asking about Skylar's whereabouts and why she didn't show up for a shift, I guess. Right. And with the situation seeming more serious by the minute, the nieces called the police. Yeah, because it was it was very unlike her to miss work. That was something she didn't do. Yeah, so she didn't do. They knew she was if she was home and she went out, and then she wasn't at work. Something something was going on. But like I said, the the scholar's parents called the police, and the phone rang again. This time it was Sheila calling back, and she admitted that her and Rachel had in fact gone joyriding around Morgantown with Skylar that night before. And according to Sheila, they had picked Skylar up around 11 p.m. and returned her home at the end of her street in less than an hour right. before so, midnight. Yeah, so so she's saying they picked her up around 11 and it was back before 12, but they dropped her off at the end of the road because they said that Skylar didn't want to wake her parents, so they dropped her off and let her walk back. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Now, soon Sheila and her mother, Tara, they got to the niece's apartment and wanting to help find Skylar. So Sheila's inserting herself into this situation. Yeah, you know, and then when they went into her room to look around, her contacts was there, phone charger was there, no clothes no clothes were missing. The only thing she had taken was her phone. So they didn't think she had ran away or nothing. So it was just, it was just she was just gone, and then, you know, she's not showing up for work. So. Looking like she was going to come back. Right, yeah. Not taking anything. Yeah, because, you know. If you leave and you're going, you're taking your phone charge, especially the kids. I just wonder if she'd ever snuck out before. Probably. Yeah. I don't know that they knew it, but I'm saying she probably did. If she already knew the trick to put the bench out there and all that stuff. Yeah. I'd say she probably had. Yeah. Now, getting back to where we were, uh, Sheila and her mother, Tara, they got to the niece's apartment, and they were wanting to help find Skylar. And the Eddies and Mary went from house to house. And this is while Dave, this is... Skylar's dad, he went with an officer to Star City Police Department and took care of the other side and asking their neighbors if anyone had seen Skylar. And Mary then remembered that the building had a security camera deal. Mm. And it was installed just sometime earlier. I don't remember hearing when it was installed. It was fairly recent to this this time. but So it hadn't been there very long. Yeah, the landlord let everyone, the nieces, the eddies, and even the officer into a tiny room that housed the surveillance equipment. And on this surveillance video, Skylar is seen getting into a car about 12.31 a.m. And this car had parked on Fairfield Street next to the niece's apartment. And none or anybody looking at the grainy footage recognized that it was the Eddie's car, Sheila's family's car. Right. But it was a silver Toyota Camry. Yeah. But nobody could recognize what it was. It was even thought that it might have been an SUV at one time. Yeah, I don't know how they come up with that. No, it's definitely a uh, a car, yeah. either a sedan or a coupe. But like you know, it's grainy and it's hard to tell. But I think the FBI did enhance it. And yeah, eventually, yeah. 
But I bet I, I bet Sheila about shit when they said they had some videos. Oh, you know she did. Yeah, for a minute anyway. You know she did. Cause she's pretty cool about staying cool. But during this time, nobody suspected Sheila's story at this point, Dale. Right. So they didn't even bother to rewind to see if she'd indeed picked up Skylar, you know, nearly two hours before Skylar got into the unknown vehicle. Yeah. That's what gets me. That blows my mind, too. Yeah. Now, Dale, considering the video evidence, the officer suggested to Skylar's parents to give it a few days. Well, yeah, because, you know, it looks like she just jumps out and runs and gets in the car. It's not like she's been forced or drug in or anything like that. So, yeah, looks like she went on her own accord. And just ran away with somebody and right. on her own, like you said, and, and would likely come back. And Skylar, Skylar's parents knew she would never do such a thing. Right. And they wanted to believe that she had for alternatives, but the alternative seemed a lot worse. Hmm. The tiny Star City Police Department. Star City. Star City. Assigned Officer Jessica Colbank to the case, and the FBI got involved almost immediately due to the possible link to an earlier missing person, uh, Alea Lunsford case. And the FBI agent Morgan Spurlock joined for the investigation. And the two interviewed Sheila on July 9th, and Sheila repeated what she had told earlier about picking Skylar up about 11 and dropping her off at the end of Crawford Avenue less than an hour later, Dale. Right. Sticking to her story. Yep, sticking to the story. But Colbank described Sheila's behavior as narcissistic and wrong. Mm. And Sheila also seemed more curious about the investigation than worried about Skylar and where she went. And Colbank also found it strange that dropped Skylar off like a long way from her apartment right. and not taking her back to her apartment. But Sheila simply said that Skylar had insisted that they do so and not to wake her parents up like you mentioned. Right. Of course, I guess it didn't matter when you was going to the car. It was right outside. <laughs> Coming back, it's a different story. Yeah. yeah. If you see this video, it shows just the car parked right down the hill from yeah. her apartment. Yeah. Now, the next day, Colbank called Rachel, who pretended not to even have heard of Skylar's disappearance. Oh, really? Yeah. Rachel didn't act like she didn't even know nothing about it. She's missing? And she had left for the church camp on July 7th, but had spent July 6th boating on Cheat Lake with her mama. Hmm. Yeah. So this will be that Friday they were out on the lake. Yeah, she was with her mother. The day after. Yeah. Her, okay. She was with her mother, Patricia, and her, her mother's friend, Kelly Kearns. And both had noticed a cut on Rachel's ankle. Right, because during all that struggle, you know, when we said that uh, Skylar was about to get free or whatever she actually got a hold of the knife and, and cut her own ankle mm-hmm. so i'm this is pretty probably a pretty gnarly looking cut yeah but they had noticed that cut on her ankle and it yeah. was agreed that rachel would show up face-to-face interview once she got back from yeah camp. as soon as i get back i'm coming yeah i'll be there but she never showed up nope <laughs> and when colbank later got a chance to interview rachel face-to-face she told the exact same story as sheila it's like verbatim right like, word for word like they were reading off the same paper yeah yeah and we went here we went here we it was went this here. time that time this time yeah yeah yep. exactly there ain't nobody gonna tell the exact same story it's gonna vary <laughs> a little bit but yeah 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 their stories yeah. match so much it was really suspicious yeah yes yeah like we said they even rehearsed and nevertheless they were there was nothing to go on officially and Skyler was seen voluntarily getting into car and she was considered a runaway right but the state police refused to issue an Amber Alert. Right, because that's supposed to be only for abducted children. And since she was seemingly going on her you know, free will, whatever, she was not abducted in their eyes. Yep. 
So no Amber Alert was issued. Right. On August the 16th of that year, school started, Dale. But Skylar hadn't returned home. Nope. And this would have been her junior year in high school. And the investigation seemed to be going nowhere. And after an outburst at the Star City Police Department, this was on August 24th, uh, Skylar's mom, Mary, contacted the state police who immediately took the case. And Corporal Ronnie Gaskins and Senior Trooper Chris Berry of the state police had been investigating a series of bank robberies in the Blacksville area. And one bank had even been robbed about a month before Skylar's disappearance. And another one 10 days later. So the troopers heavily considered the possibility that Skylar's disappearance might have something to do with them, you know, these bank robberies, especially when they learned that the younger brother of one of the suspects had been romantically involved with Sheila. Hmm. So he would have probably known Skylar. Exactly. Right. He would have, there would be some connection there. Yeah. And his name was Dylan Conaway. And he was interviewed as a person of interest and remained a person of interest until this Till the end of this. Yeah, till the end of all this that we're going to get to. Now, on September the 3rd, warrants were issued to seize means of electronic communication from Sheila and Rachel. Gaskins and Perry also reviewed the surveillance tape several times before they finally figured out Sheila is never seen picking Skylar up at 11. Right, like you said. So, you know, that was funny to me, too, because I kept thinking, well, why the hell don't they just rewind it to 11 o'clock and see if they actually exactly. picked her up? But they did. Yep. And when they checked it, there was nothing. They weren't there. No. All right. And the troopers then combed the western parts of the state, more specifically the area, including the back roads around Blacksville. And they were also able to gather evidence from other security cameras around the town to call into question the timeline the girls have given them. Right. So they're going to find out they're lying about a lot of stuff. Now, from the beginning of all this, when Skylar went missing, Dale, Sheila had tried to insert herself into the investigation by manipulating other people. Man, this just blows my mind because these girls are 16. Yeah, 16 And this year just old. sounds like we're reading something about a, about a really hardened serial killer that we've done before. You know how they always want to slide in and get in the middle of the investigation and figure I out know. what's going on. And Wow. Okay. She's playing a part. Yeah, man. And she even cried on Skylar's bed not many days after having murdered her. Yeah, just trying to get attention or uh, distraction and just trying to make it look good yeah get on her good side yeah and she even distributed missing persons posters around town to give them an appearance of a good friend damn yeah that's this cold-hearted bitch right here boy and she'd often talked to Skylar's parents about the investigation and when the police told the nieces that he shouldn't tell her anything that's that she's the one who knows more than she's telling that's what right. they told her and she's starting to use others to spy for her. Yeah, so when they said, don't tell her nothing else, she just started using other people to see if they could find out stuff for her. Yeah, she's, getting, she's getting nervous. Yeah, and she knows something's going on, so she just want to know exactly, so she could stay a step ahead, I think. I think so. Yeah. Meanwhile, at University High School, rumors were starting to spread about Skylar. Maybe she had overdosed and the girls had left her somewhere in a panic. Um, Sheila and Rachel seemed to be spending even more time together i guess they're trying to keep her story straight right yeah they didn't act like it really bothered her that skylar was gone they're just doing their thing and on their social media accounts like uh, like we said they were on twitter constantly yeah there were very few sporadic mentions of skylar but when it seemed convenient they would um, mention skylar right i guess when something hit the news or something like that but yeah, they were just playing it yep also dale they were 
even anonymous Twitter accounts, and they were set up to arrest Sheila and Rachel. Right. And whoever were behind these accounts had an extensive knowledge of the case, including the ongoing criminal investigation. And while Sheila seemed unmoved by all the harassment, even referring to the FBI as her buds. Oh, my buddies. Yep. Uh, Rachel, she started becoming unraveled. Yeah. I guess, I don't know if it was from her religious background. Maybe she had a little bit of a conscience. Her conscience started eating her. Now, while while Sheila's cold-hearted and and playing it super cool, Rachel's having a hard time here. Yeah, yeah. Now, like we said, Sheila was trying to insert herself in the investigation, but Rachel, she was trying to get away as far as she could. Yeah, she didn't want to have nothing to do with it, didn't want to talk to nobody, didn't want to be seen, nothing. Mm-mm crazy i know and rachel never visited skylar's parents no and all the harassment from the authorities and other students started taking a toll on rachel's mental health and when she started to show signs of falling apart you know like sobbing in front of sheila sheila had no other response but to view her as a weakness yeah so it probably says you know you doesn't you make me sick yep mm. but they did get uh cell phone records and security camera footage that the girls had been seen near Blacksville that night that Skylar went missing. Okay, so that's what I, I was going to ask that question if they had ever, you know, checked her cell phone records or pinged anywhere it was last last seen. Now, I know they cut it off or it was off when they left it, but mm-hmm. it was still so. So apparently they did if they knew they were out that way somewhere. Yep, but it did show that Skylar had been texting with the girls when she was supposed to be, and according to the girls initial story joyriding with them the authorities probably helped push rachel into changing her story and now she claims skylar had ran off into the woods near brave and that she and sheila had been unable to find her so now we're changing her story again yep they keep changing her story well plus you know if they were looking at their cell phone records they would know that she was texting them while she was supposed to be with them if if from this 11 to 12 gimmick you know Mm -hmm. Now, polygraphs for the girls were arranged, and this was in mid-December, and Sheila took hers at the state police department, and Dale, she failed. Oh, really? Uh, Rachel was supposed to meet up with her attorney on Spruce Street before the polygraph, but she, uh, while on her way there, she jumped out of her dad's car Yeah, and ran away. Yeah, she ran all the way to Tara's office when she was uh, Sheila's mom. Yeah. Yeah, she, she Sheila's mom's mom, yeah. office. <laughs> I guess, uh, I don't know if they were, I think Sheila's mom, Tara, she knew more than she was saying. Yeah, I think so too. I think she was, they had told her some stuff. Yeah, probably. Now this Jessica Colbank that was leading this case, she had been taken off the case when she called Tara a tool (laughs) for appearing to stonewall the investigation. Right. Yeah. So she was, well, I don't know. A tool? That ain't too bad, really. I've been called a lot worse. Yeah, a tool. (laughs) Now, on December the 16th, happy birthday to me. That's my birthday. For real? Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, happy and, birthday. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> and Christmas was coming pretty soon, and Skylar, not any closer to coming home, Mary posted a long and detailed message to her Facebook account. And the post detailed the various steps that had been taken so far by the law enforcement and the community to find Skylar. And Mary also called Sheila and Rachel out for lying and even bluntly mentioned the possibility that Skylar might have been murdered. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. After all, Skylar had been a victim of an accident. Why not come forward when both the girls had been offered full immunity? You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, because there's that's that's pretty bold to do something like that. But she knew something. She knew something was up, and their story was bullshit. Yep. Yep. Especially when they kept changing. I'm sure at this point Sheila was really getting hot at Rachel because Rachel's changing the story, and Rachel, Sheila has to change her story to match her story, and she's getting frayed out. Mm-hmm. Now. They were trying to get better control over Rachel's increasingly erratic and aggressive behavior and to keep her away from Sheila and Tara. Right. Uh, Patricia and Rusty, this was Rachel's parents. Rusty had decided to move back in with them. Yeah. And Rusty's, Rusty's place in South Park had been a sanctuary for Rachel, who often fought sometimes violently with her mom. Mm. And living with rusty had allowed her to see sheila more often and rachel was unaware of her parents plan when she and her mother were coming home on december the 28th for a christmas holiday in virginia so but rachel started running around the neighborhood screaming yeah basically they pulled up in the driveway and her daddy was there and she's like what the hell yeah (laughs) yeah and she got out screaming you're ruining my life and it was a big confrontation in the driveway wow and it escalated into a physical altercation between Rachel and her mom, and eventually Rachel barricaded herself in her room and threatened to kill herself. Imagine that. But the police, they called the police. I think there's a 911 call on this where Patricia called. Let's see if we can find that. I'd like to find that. See if I can find that 911 call. Okay. And the police got there, and Rachel was taken to Chestnut Ridge, and this is a psychiatric hospital in Morgantown. Lock her down for a little bit. Yeah, lock her down. Well, now, while she was there, Sheila started getting nervous, you know. She's worried about what she's going to say while yeah. she's in there. So she tries to get in to see her a couple of times. Mm-hmm. But he's like, it ain't happening. No. She, got in, she tried twice, and they told her she was not not to be allowed in. Yep. Now, Rachel was released from Chestnut uh, five days later. Just five days. Yep. And on January the 3rd, her parents immediately drove her to her attorney's office in downtown Morgantown. Morgantown. Morgantown, <laughs> where an interview had been arranged with Corporal Gaskins and a federal polygraph examiner. And the interview had originally been arranged for the 29th, but Rachel's breakdown, you know, postponed this, and they had to change the date. Yeah, you don't want to do a polygraph when you have a mental breakdown. Exactly. It kind of messes with that, yeah. But the investigators had wanted to give the interview as soon as possible, as soon as Rachel got out, and to prevent Sheila from getting to her first, like we all talked about. Right. Now, being aware of Rachel's visit to Chestnut, the investigators were hopeful that the truth would finally come out, and it did, Dale. Mm. Only a few questions into the interview, Rachel uttered the words, we stabbed her. Wow. Now, you know everybody's jealous at the floor. Yeah. Because this whole time, nobody's even thinking this, I don't think. No. They just they were running with this uh, overdose theory. Mm-hmm. That they thought, you know, maybe she overdosed and they left them, left her in the woods or whatever. Yep. So when this comes out, everybody's like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. And when they asked Rachel why they did it, the only thing she'd come up with was, we just didn't like her anymore. Yeah, right. She said they'd, uh, they'd driven her to her. We told her she, she told them that uh, they had driven her to a remote, you know, back road near Brave, stabbed her to death, and buried the body. Yep. We just didn't like her anymore. And what the hell? I know. And Rachel was going to take them out there to the place, but I think there was a bad snowstorm, ice snowstorm yeah. at that time, and it was two weeks before they could get out there. Yeah, let it melt some, I guess. Yeah, let the roads clear up a little bit. Yeah, because that is a tiny road. Mm-hmm. But two weeks later, like I said, on January 16th, the investigators returned to the spot, 
and this time with a canine unit and the snow had mostly melted and while a dog's handler was picking up a gps tracker that had fallen off the dog he noticed skeletal remains under a pile of branches and this was six months after Skylar had been disappeared she was finally found so i guess the dogs didn't find them luckily the collar fell off and he found them out. yeah he found them himself yeah well but like i said you know if they knew where the tree was it could hell they had how could they not find her it was exactly just right there yeah and during the following months rachel was allowed to roam free while the investigators were gathering evidence not only against her but against sheila who had not and would never admit to the crime unless cornered. And Sheila must have received a warning from her attorney or something else. So, man, her and Rachel were barely in touch following their January 3rd meeting. Right. And she even tweeted the morning after that meeting, first time I've been completely speechless. Followed by? Followed by, holy fuck. Yeah, I guess that's after she saw her, you know, when when she finally got to see her out of the hospital when they were trying to get her to say something, right? Yep. Now, the very next day, on January the 4th, the investigators surprised Sheila and her family by serving a search warrant to seize every knife in their house and Sheila's car. And a few local newspapers mentioned that a body had been found in Wayne Township. This is in Greene County. Hmm. I think there's a lot of Wayne Townships in Pennsylvania, but this one is in Greene County. I have no idea. Yeah, I think (laughs) think that's what I heard. And while nothing specific about the body was mentioned, Sheila would now have known that Skylar's body had been found and that Rachel, in all likelihood, had led them to her. Well, you know it, because that was when they had found it. Yep, exactly. So after all this, Rachel and Sheila were being homeschooled for the remainder of the school year. Not just to protect other students, but to protect them as well. Hmm. Yeah. And during all this time, they were still on Twitter and doing their thing. Yep. And they had even tweeted uh, on February the 10th, uh, happy birthday, Skylar! And another one posted, uh, uh, "I hate the shit I think about all night." Yeah, that's Rachel. Yeah, yeah, because you know she's she's all day. Yep. Now moving just a little bit ahead to March thirteenth, after the identity of the body had been scientifically verified by the FBI. Yeah, because what I'd heard is uh, that the head wasn't there with the rest of the body, and then it had to find the skull. Yeah, the, I don't know if the that's skull true. was found in a different location. Right. It could have been animals. Probably, because they didn't say nothing about that. But, yep. but anyway, I thought I'd throw that in there. That's yep. why it took a little bit for them to identify the body. They had to find the head first. Yep. But nothing about the circumstances about her death was revealed, and Dave and Mary had already been told a month earlier without the details about what had happened. Right. Can you imagine what they were going through? No, especially after this beach been over helping them give out flyers and <laughs> crying on the bed and all this stuff. And basically, you know, since they'd been together forever, you know, basically she was like one of their girls because, you know, when oh, yeah. your kids have friends and at your house all the time, you know. It's like your own kid. Right, yeah. So so you can just, man, what they felt. Now, on the day that they announced that it was Skylar's body, get this deal, Sheila tweeted this, rest easy, Skylar. You'll always be my best friend. And then returned to business as usual. And Rachel posted several tweets, including, Rest in peace, baby. I love you and miss you more than anything. May you finally have justice. Wow. Yeah. Now, moving up just a little bit ahead, Dale, on May the 1st, as it had been agreed, Rachel surrendered herself to the authorities and her first day in court. And she was transferred from juvenile to adult status as per West Virginia law, and then pled guilty to the murder of Skylar Nice. 
and she agreed to testify against Sheila in any trial in exchange for the prosecution representing the state of West Virginia and agreed to recommend 20 years for second-degree murder, which may yield anything from 20 to 40 years. Hmm. And Pennsylvania agreed not to prosecute her because I guess they figured technically she was buried in Pennsylvania, but she was from West Virginia, so Pennsylvania didn't get involved because they just said, we'll let you handle this. Yeah, and you're already going to prosecute her as an adult, so... Yeah, there wasn't no need to double it up. Exactly. While all this was going on, Dale, Sheila was at a Cracker Barrel restaurant with her mother. And she was kind of getting antsy about the news of Rachel's incarceration. And it would soon be out. And State Trooper Gaskins and Special Agent Spurlock drove to arrest Sheila at her home on Clear Spring Drive. But no no one was there, so Gaskins called Tara to say that Sheila needed to be questioned again. And Tara mentioned that they were eating at the Cracker Barrel. Yeah, and she'd bring her by later. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not known what Tara knew, but some have claimed that she was aware of uh, Sheila's arrest coming up. You think she knew? I think she did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, taking her away from oh, her apartment. So it wouldn't be at home. Right? Yeah, but taking her out right, to eat. Do yeah. it here in front of everybody at Cracker Barrel. <laughs> yeah, we'll just do it at Cracker Barrel. And the investigators then sent the nearest patrol to prevent them from leaving. And the patrol intercepted the Eddies at the Cracker Barrel parking lot as they were leaving the restaurant. Wow. And once Gaskin and Spurlock arrived on the scene, Gaskins arrested Sheila for murder. And she was then taken to the Lori Yeager Juvenile Center in Parkersburg. Right. So they called her up and said, we need to do some more questioning. Okay, I'll bring her by, but we're at Cracker Barrel. <laughs> Never yep. mind. We'll come get her. But uh, they wasn't really looking for questioning. They was wanting to arrest her. Now, finally, on September the 4th, Sheila Eddy was transferred to adult status. And this means that the authorities can now publicize her name. Right. And her yeah, name. Before, I think they were just saying what Rachel and an unnamed minor. Yeah. Yeah. And her arraignment was held on September the 17th, where she pled not guilty to the charges of murder, kidnapping, and conspiracy. And the judge set the trial date to October 22nd. But her behavior attracted attention, and this was David, Schuyler's father, who was in the courtroom that, that day and thought Sheila was kind of smiling. Yeah. And whether she was smiling to mock or to signal that everything is okay or everything is unknown. But it's clear that her attorney had failed to teach her proper courtroom behavior to help. She's, she's a piece of work, man. Yeah, I'm telling you. Now, her attorney, Michael Benninger, he made several motions, including motions to have the trial moved out of county. And to have Rachel Schoff's testimony suppressed based on her alleged mental health issues and to set a bail and to have the trial moved to a later date. But Judge Russell uh, Cloggs denied these motions and agreed to move the trial date to February 2014 and later rescheduled to January 28th. They just moved it back. Yeah, with another pretrial hearing to be held before that date. So, yeah. Now, as soon as it was getting close to Sheila's pre-trial hearing on January the 24th, rumors began to circulate on the Internet that Sheila Eddy was going to throw in the towel and plead guilty. And the hearing was broadcast live on the Internet, Dale. Wow. And as soon as she entered the courtroom, the rumors were confirmed. In stark contrast to her previous court appearances, Sheila started sobbing and as soon as she sat down before the trial had even start even begun Dale, she started crying you think she's playing it up here uh, she might have been and often she'd cling to her attorney for support 
And if she hadn't realized it before, she was now at the end of her line. Yep. I mean, she was going, she knew. She's screwed. Yeah. Yeah. And Benninger explained to the court that after having thoroughly examined all the evidence, he couldn't come up with a reasonable defense to challenge. Because yeah. he couldn't do anything. Right. They had too much on her. Yep. So there wasn't even going to be a trial. I mean, it was just going to be a sentencing. I guess he told her the best thing you can do is plead guilty and hope hope for the best. So in exchange for her guilty plea, the prosecution, Marsha Ashdown, agreed to the sentence of 15 years to life, and Pennsylvania agreed not to prosecute her. Hmm. And after the trial, Dave Neese swore that he'd be at every parole hearing to make sure Sheila never walks free. So that's crazy. I don't see how her... Her low end is lower than the other girl. I know. Well, I don't think this girl's going to get out first. But now I did see somewhere else where, where you know, they said it was what ten to twenty to forty for uh, Rachel. But I also saw where it could be ten to thirty. Yeah. Or something. But now Rachel, uh, Rachel's sentencing began on February the second, and unlike Sheila, who had put some effort into her looks, I mean Sheila would go into the courtroom, you know, looking all. Like a model. Yeah. 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 Rachel looked as if she'd walked through hell. Yeah. Appearing pale, bloated. And she apologized and personally to the nieces, you know, and she cried when the details of Skylar's final moments were described by the prosecution. And she didn't appear to cry for herself and accepted the sentence of 30 years for second degree murder. And the judge made a compromise between the prosecution's recommendations and the nieces' wish. Yeah. Because uh, they they recommended 20, and then uh, um, Skylar's dad said he wanted 40. Yeah. He said, I don't care what she said. How many times I apologize, she still killed my girl. Exactly. But now both girls are currently serving their sentences at Lacken Correctional Center, and it's about 150 miles southwest of Morgantown. And Sheila Eddy was transferred there in February hmm. in Rachel in 2014, so they're in the same prison. I just wonder if they see each other. I don't know. Kind of weird they put them in the same one. Well, it wasn't it for a little while, but the one was at one place, and one one was at another. But mm. they're both they're both at the same place now. Right. So that's crazy. But now, just a, a footnote to this story, Dale. It's sad about Scholar. There was one little thing that happened. Uh, it was one good little thing that come out of this. The update to the Amber Alert system. Oh yeah. Yeah. This was. Pretty good. It's called Skyler's Law. And before, you know, a child had to be abducted before they could uh, be on the Amber Alert system, be notified. Right. But now because of Skyler niece, uh, any child that goes missing, regardless of how they go missing or they're alerted, there's an Amber Alert for them. Yep. Or it can be used. Yep. And this is, this is Skyler's Law. You know, we was talking about earlier about them, how shitty Sheila was and tweet and all that stuff mm-hmm. and she was you know just random stuff we've seen you know like one time she she tweeted out why is my new favorite question mm-hmm. man is that shitty that's that's crazy and man. what was the other one um, we went on three yeah and like nobody would know what that meant but her and, and rachel but damn yeah so she's black-hearted because she has no we went on three yeah that's crazy mm-hmm. man but that is the case of Skylar Nice. Yeah, it's pretty sad, man. I really think I don't know. You know, I know it. You know, earlier where they said Rachel said we got to do it, but whatever. Do you think Rachel really thought it was going to happen? 
Because the way, the way I see it, I mean, they might have talked about it a lot, you know, and it was, ha-ha, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And then they started putting their little kit together and started getting a little bit more real, I think. Mm-hmm. But then as it come right down to it, you know, we go on three. I don't know, man. It's just, to me, this is all Sheila's hatching every bit of this. And uh, I think she just, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like to me she's the one who kind of twisted Rachel into doing this. But at it, 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 the time that it went down, it kind of looks like to me, you know, it's either I join in or I, I join her or join Skylar on the ground, you know. Mm-hmm. So I guess at that point it's too far to turn back, but then it just eat her up inside after she done it. While Sheila didn't bother her a damn bit. No. Crazy. You know, and like we said, too, I think uh, they did this because Skylar knew some things on them. Yeah, yeah, that's possible. But, you know, they also said Skylar was a pretty big advocate for, you know. LGBTQ and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, so they didn't know, well, you know, why would she do that? But, so, you know, I don't think that has anything to do with this situation, whether she's an advocate or not, because these people are just being shitty to her. And she's like, well, I, I can, you know, she had photos and stuff. That could come out, which eventually did. I yeah, guess. I don't these know photos much, are online. Yeah, I don't know how much more that she had, but that's a, you know that's possible. But why can't you just walk away if you don't want to be around her? Tell her, and you're out. You know. Yeah, move you on. Have to kill a girl. It's, move it's on. Pretty sad. Yeah. And Skylar being outed like that and being treated like that, she, she could have moved on. Yeah. She could have found more friends. Yeah. Damn, it sucks. Beautiful girl, sixteen year old girl. Yep, three lives wasted right here. Yeah. But those girls do have a chance for parole at some point. I would say that Sheila ain't getting out as long as uh, Skylar's daddy's alive. Mm-mm. And she don't, I don't think she deserves to get out. No. The other girl, mm, it's kind of questionable. She did what she did, but I don't know. Who am I to judge? That's it. So we'll <laughs> wait and see. All right, that is uh, the murder of Skylar Neesdale. Yep. All right. We want everyone to be safe. Be careful and always be aware of your surroundings because the next episode could be about you. This is the Crack House Chronicles. Chronicles.